Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone. This is Mike Lewis with the Fanalytics Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tom Smith. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. And so, Tom, what I want to do is I want to talk about something that falls into both of our expertises. Tom is the go-to guy for economic commentary if people are looking for an expert from the business school down at um, Emory University. So Tom's a finance professor. I'm a marketing professor by trade. But Tom is trained in economics? It's true. Okay. And and so something relatively big is about to happen in Atlanta this uh, this February, right? Right. I actually have referred to it in past in class as a marketing holiday, the Super Bowl. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Well, and and I, and I think it's it's kind of changed over time. Where you know it used to be really kind of outlandish in terms of like the advertising, right? It was like the marketing day, right? Where the new campaigns all got rolled out. The big budget campaigns were put out there. I think YouTube and the web has essentially kind of killed a lot of that. I mean, it hasn't killed it, but it's it's really reduced the interest in it. You know, this, this whole thing of, oh, I'm just watching the game for the ads. I I think you're probably right, but I still hear people talk about the ads and they say, oh, did you see this commercial? Oh, you know, did you see the new Doritos the commercial? New Budweiser, Budweiser commercial, commercial. New avocados from Mexico. <laughs> always the usual suspects. Yeah, but then there's always somebody who's done something really significant. So there was, so I mean, when people talk about the Super Bowl, they, and this is necessarily in this order, they talk about the score of the game and the big play. They talk about the halftime show and they talk about the commercials about, yeah. and, and i say not necessarily in that order because we've had years where they've talked about the they talked about the halftime show before they've talked about anything else and they've also had years where they've talked about the commercials before they've talked about anything else and then they've also had years where they've clearly have talked about the actual sport itself instead of the other two well, well and i, I think maybe the thing that's the thing that's kind of reduced it a little bit is just i think most the vast majority of these ads are available to, to view before the game um, is that true? I, I, I think I, so. So I think if you go on YouTube, you can see what's going to be played. Oh, sure. Um, okay. That's a little bit off topic. But like I said, I think, you know, the Super Bowl as a, like I, when I'm teaching class, I'll talk about it as like a premier marketing holiday, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a spectacle, a sure. spectacle of consumerism. Well, that spectacle of consumerism is coming to Atlanta this year. And so let's, let's put this out there as, um, for those of you on the media side of things, if you're coming to Atlanta and you want to talk to a local expert about the impact of the Super Bowl, I think Tom Smith is probably your go-to guy. You know, you can find Tom easily just via the Emory website, Thomas Smith, Thomas Moore Smith. That's right, Thomas Moore Smith. You know, how, how do these interviews usually go? So, Tom, the Super Bowl is coming to Atlanta. What is the impact on the local community? Um, so there's economic impact studies that are put out there. And the economic impact studies usually say something in the neighborhood of 200 to $400 million of direct spend, indirect spend, and induced spending. And then I usually take... What did you say? Uh, direct, indirect, and induced? What are those? So direct spending would be the fact that somebody comes in and spends, I don't know, $1,000 on tickets. That's like a direct spend, okay? The indirect and induced are the... Well, small point. Would you count that as the impact for Atlanta? 
Well, that's the, the, the hotel, impacts, yeah. But yeah, the, the impact studies they usually do count those things as direct impacts on Atlanta, even though there are leakages, right? And so they say somebody who comes in and spends a thousand dollars. That's a direct spend. Well, well, I mean, maybe this is a dumb question. Who gets the thousand dollars on Super Bowl tickets? Where does that Where does that go? Goes back to the NFL. Goes back to the NFL. That's right. With some cut being delivered to the Atlanta Mercedes Benz Arena. Um, so of the, of the ticket sales, not clear. So the Mercedes Benz arena is, it's, um, it's leased by Arthur Blank and the Falcons. Um, it's owned, that is the land that the Mercedes Benz stadium stands on is owned by the city of Atlanta, but the city of Atlanta receives uh, a rent payment somewhere in the neighborhood of about, uh, two, $2.5 million a year for the Falcons to actually rent that space. Once in that space, then the Falcons receive all of the direct spending. So somebody goes in and, and buys something for concessions, if you will, or right, then the Atlanta Falcons receive that money directly. And then the city of Atlanta gets a, a basically a lease payment from okay. their primary lease lease or, if you will. Okay, so those are the direct payments. What are the indirect payments? Indirect payment would be the fact that the person who's being employed by the stadium goes out and spends money now that they've got a bigger paycheck, if you will. So usually don't have a game going on that time of year. Let's suppose there's some kind of a usher or security guard or what have you who works at the stadium. They're going to get a paycheck, and they're going to get a paycheck because there's an event at the stadium that there wouldn't be otherwise. Well, as a result of that paycheck, so the paycheck is a direct a direct impact. Now, if you're a, a security guard and you get a paycheck, you're going to go out and buy a new pair of shoes. So the person who's receiving the money from the shoes, that's an indirect impact of the initial spending. Okay, so the direct impact, relatively easy to measure? Mm, can be. The, the lot, trouble is that... A lot you, of counting things up? I mean, yeah, you, essentially, you, you, yeah, you multiply the number of people who are in town times the number of days that they're in town times the amount that they okay. spend on things like hotel, restaurants, tickets, things like that. Those, those are, that's the simple part. Okay, the indirect, much more assumption-driven? Much more assumption-driven because you have to identify, essentially, what's the multiplicative effect of the direct spending. Okay, and how do you how do you do that? Well, there's <laughs> a bunch of input output models. Some of them developed at the University of Illinois. Some of them developed other places. They have names like Real and Remy and things of this nature. Okay. And the I/O models essentially take a system, a bunch of equations, algorithms that are supposed to represent an economy, and you change one of the inflows, and then it redirects the money and says, this is, if you change this input here, here's how the outputs change. And then you can basically measure the delta on any one of the outputs to identify if we have a new injection of funds here, how do the things on the outside okay. uh, change? So Tom's getting a little technical. A little here. technical. And so the basic idea is uh, I work one more incremental day at the stadium, let's say, and I make $100. I spend... Uh, I don't know, something like, let's say I spend $50 of that. That's right. That $50 then goes to, you know, I, I pay someone to have my lawn mode. That's right. Mode, and that person then goes out to lunch. That's right. One more incremental time, et cetera, et cetera. So, so the idea that 
that incremental money kind of flows through the system and goes from person to person, continually kind of ramping down, though, right? That's right. Well, I mean, yeah, even if you have a constant what's called a marginal propensity to consume, each dollar is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So if you get $100 and you spend 50 then somebody else spends it. They're only spending 50 of 50 which is $25, and 50 of 50 which is 1250 and then 50% of half of that, and et cetera. So, so in some ways, it's the way they sell every stimulus package, right? That's exactly the same, the same concept, which is a multiplier, is the way that you measure the economic impact of a stimulus. That's correct. Okay. A general agreement... In terms of the size of those multipliers? The agreement is that there's no agreement. Okay. Because we are, we are sort of measuring something that's kind of, it's tough to measure. It's tough to measure because you mentioned there's a lot of assumptions. And so the assumptions are what is the marginal propensity to consume, how much the money stays in the system, what kind of leakages you, you have, and what have you. What's a leakage? So the leakage would be... So the money is collected by the NFL, and so the NFL is headquartered in New York. So some of the money is going to flow back to New York, right? It's it's like it's, I guess it's a little bit easier to see leakages. Let's suppose that Bruce Springsteen were to come and do a concert in town. Always okay? showing your age, Tom. I am, I am, I am. So the boss is. <laughs> does Springsteen still tour actively? I'm. You he think he the... has a gig in? I think he has a gig in in New York actually, um, at Broadway. So let's say but, the Rolling Stones are coming through town. So the Rolling Stones are coming through town, and let's suppose the Rolling Stones all live in New York, Manhattan. I don't know if they do, but let's suppose they do, right? So then the Rolling Stones and their all of their tour bus and all of their tour group comes to town, and you spend a lot of money, and the Stones are going to get some money. But then they send it all back to New York to their family and what have you. And so that's a leakage. The money, it gets put into our economy by, let's say, you and me. But then what happens is the Stones send it back to somewhere else we didn't actually have to talk about the stones we didn't have to but the truth is that we the leakage would be any money that goes outside the system from inside the system and so and where the system is atlanta that's right okay so the super bowl is the super bowl is almost this uh experimental treatment that occurs in this on this subject of the city of atlanta Ooh, now who's getting technical (laughs) (laughs) I'm, i'm getting technical the level of High school chemistry. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. It, it, and so then the, that subject, you know, it, but it's not constrained, I guess. And so parts of this economic treatment filter out into the, the That's broader right. society. That's right. But there's also things that can, that can make the input larger and things that can make the input smaller, right? And so here's the deal. If we have the Super Bowl— Hold on, Bowl, hold on. Let's, let's slow down there for a second. So w- what do you mean the input? What Atlanta generates in terms of the Super Bowl? That's right, because think about this. If the Falcons were playing in the Super Bowl, then you and I would be going to the game and spending money— but it's money that we would have been spending on something in Atlanta anyway. And so it's not generating any new cash flow. This is just a repurposement of the cash flow that would have been spent. So instead of going to Dave & Buster's, you're going to the Super Bowl. But it, That's but again, not new money. That sounds like a tough one as well, right? A, a very assumption-driven, right? So Right. So you have to— what, what is incremental versus repurposing? That's right. And so if we have a Super Bowl, let's say, from— Let's suppose that the somebody from L.A. plays somebody from New England, okay? Then all of a sudden you've got people from outside our system who are coming into our economy and spending money that we wouldn't have seen otherwise. 
that's where you get the real economic input. Okay, so then the economic impact on Atlanta, uh, let's let's say it is a LA team since there's a couple of them in or or Kansas City is actually stealing from the economy of Kansas City. That's right. Atlanta is picking on poor Kansas City as these folks rather than go out to a barbecue dinner, get on an airplane and spend money on um, you know chicken and waffles. That's right. That's right. That's right. But if you can grab it, you can grab it, right? This is okay. part of what an economy is all about. And so if that's why people want something like a Super Bowl in their town is you have an opportunity to grab money that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Okay. You mentioned one other kind, induced. So when you talk to academics, the the difference between what is an indirect spending and an induced spending is really a definitional type of a, of a distinction. And it's I don't have a good definition for the distinction between okay. indirect and induced. It's really just the money that's that flows again from money that's already flowed, if you will. Okay. I mean, just by the vocabulary, it sounds like, is this something that's almost driven by the local excitement around the event? Is it, are we getting to something more psychological I don't, versus... No? Yeah, generally not the way that economic impact studies are put together. They just say that the induced would be, at least the way I've, seen, I've heard some people talk about it, induced is sort of indirect spending on indirect spending. And so okay. it's a second layer of indirect spending. In some ways, to, to sum this up, we look at direct spending, which is something that's mostly countable. Mostly countable. And then we take a multiplier off the shelf to say, well, how this money then flows through the economy, and voila, you've got your economic impact. Yes. What's the presumed in- impact of the Super Bowl? I think the going rate is somewhere around $400 million. $400 million. Mm-hmm. Now, does it matter who's playing in the Super Bowl from Atlanta's perspective? Yes. From Atlanta's perspective, right? And we saw... we saw well, as long as it's not Atlanta. That's right. Yeah, we wouldn't want, let's say, the Tennessee Titans to be playing in Atlanta. Don't want either. people to be able to drive? You want them to have to fly? That's that... right. That's okay. right. And so we had a, a bowl game that was played last year at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And there's original economic impact of um, somewhere in the neighborhood of you know, 200 to $400 million. And we had Alabama playing Georgia. <laughs> And so, well, well now was... I want to have a whole conversation about how the University of Atlanta football team and, and Nick Saban that gets all the credit in the world for being this economic engine yeah. in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, actually has this interesting side effect of taking a lot of business out of the state of Alabama mm-hmm. in terms of fans traveling to see the team point. play, you know, road games in the SEC and and playing high-profile bowl games, including now a, a playoff system as well, adding another game to that. Yeah, so he's actually detrimental to the... It's hard to know his total economic impact because you'd have to identify both the, the impact of him being in it, in Alabama versus people leaving Alabama and shooting their money somewhere else. And, and to, to Atlanta, these Alabama fans dropping a couple thousand dollars uh, whenever they're in the uh, SEC championship played in downtown Atlanta. That's right. Yeah, That's interesting right. aside on this. Very nice, very okay. nice. So yeah, we don't we don't want from an economic standpoint, we don't want the Falcons to play in the Super Bowl in Atlanta. We don't want let's say the Tennessee Titans or the Jacksonville Jaguars people. We want people to have to fly in and spend two or three or five days here. People who wouldn't have been here otherwise to drop a bunch of money and to leave. And what we want them to do is we want them to we want them to all go to Chick-fil-A. That's real. Okay. I mean because then the money stays here. So 
part of this then becomes if you're the city of Atlanta to, I mean, so, so you say, what'd you say, $400 million? That's what the economic impact okay. studies are saying. Now, how much control does the city have over what that $400 million is? And so we have this issue of we want it to be the Falcons, but we don't want it to be the Falcons. That's right. We want people to have to fly in. But the city itself, when people come in for the Super Bowl, how long are they coming in for? Are they flying in on a Saturday, going to the game on Sunday, flying out Monday morning? Or is this set up where a lot of folks are coming in for a full week? And is that something the city has control over? Well, the city doesn't have direct control over that. The city wants to put to sort of their best foot forward. Um, I think the average number of days somebody flies into town is a, is a little less than four. It's between three and four days. Do you know if it varies across cities, though? I mean, I think it does. When you do it in Minneapolis, it's uh, one point five days. In Indianapolis, in... right? When you do it in New Orleans, you do it in New Orleans and San Francisco. It's a little bit longer. When you do it in, I mean, we haven't had a Super Bowl here for twenty years. So was it 1995, maybe? I don't remember the date. I just remember the yeah. the carnage. And so so we haven't had Super Bowl here for quite a while. And what we want to do is we want to put our best foot forward. So people just say, oh, you can come in, go to the aquarium, go to the Coca-Cola Museum, go do this, go do that, right? And so there's a system that's set up for people to have events. There's a big... There's at the Georgia World Congress Center. There's a huge number of events that are taking place, mm -hmm. fan events, and the idea is to get people involved in those, get them here early, get them staying for a week, then they're going to the game, and that's how the city is able to collect more, more, more impact. So if, yeah. if, the, if a city does a good job, maybe you get people to spend an average of an extra day, sure, and you know go to the College Football Hall of Fame, World of Coke, etc. Of course, all that stuff is. I mean, those are things that I that I think are what Atlanta has to offer, right? And those are great, those are all great events. I've I've done all that stuff and it's terrifically fun. This is where I th I think there's a econ and when I think of marketing, I people will get mad at, you know, any definition of marketing is going to bother people, but sometimes I think it's sort of more of a real world kind of look at the economics in terms of okay. we're we're bringing in some aspects of let's say consumer psychology and and so when you start talking about, you know, putting the best foot forward as a city, mm -hmm. To me, that speaks to the issue of, well, is the Super Bowl having an impact on the Atlanta brand? And sort of what is oh. the what is the long-term impact of having a Super Bowl on a city? No, I like that because this is one of the things that they were thinking of when they started to have negotiations with Arthur Blank about the new stadium itself. So when they started talking to, to Arthur Blank six, seven, eight years ago, he said, you know, I want this, you know, this new stadium, I would like this outdoor arena. And the city said, okay, I mean, if we work with you on this, is there a chance that we'll get a Super Bowl? There are chances that we can bring other big events that will use the stadium to our city. And so we use the city to highlight the event. We use the event to highlight the city. I mean, there's a lot of symbiotic mm -hmm. relationships there. Well, and it's interesting that, um, you know, one of the things I think about, and, and look, we, we've noted on previous discussions here that we're both Chicago guys. When, when I'm asked the question of, you know, what is what is the brand building impact of the Super Bowl in Atlanta? You know, I, I'm not sure. Hmm. You know, I mean, Super Bowl's played somewhere every year. Where I think it has an impact is, and maybe so an indirect impact, has an impact on the stadium. Right. And sort of it, it makes the state, you know, because Mercedes-Benz, 
stadium will that will be said a lot over that week or two week period. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that you know an emphasis on stadiums or highlighting the stadiums is sort of an underappreciated part of um, part of sports. Okay. Like I said, I mentioned we both came from Chicago. Where do the Cubs play? They play at Wrigley. Okay. What's the most famous church in the city of Chicago? Uh, St. Patrick's, probably. I mean, like, <laughs> there's one. There's one right. I mean, right where I went to school, which St. Patrick's Church was a quite beautiful church, actually. So, so I might argue that Wrigley Field is the closest thing to a true cathedral. Oh, very nice. I see where you're you going. Know, you didn't know I was going to answer that second well, question. <laughs> well, I mean, but, but but it's an answer, right? It's like so. What? What? I mean, you just think of like a, like a brand aware or, or, or an awareness kind of question. How many people are aware of Wrigley, this cathedral right. versus Wrigley Field? Right. No, everybody. I mean, yeah. What's the everybody. most famous building in Boston? Guess the North Church. No, Fenway Park, right? Okay, right. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I see that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so so some stadiums, so I mean, Wrigley definitely has that has that vibe, right? And so and so does so does Fenway has that has that vibe and so other places have that vibe. We don't normally talk about football stadiums in that have that same kind of reverent tone and but you know what? I mean I think Mercedes-Benz Stadium has the potential to be a place like that. The Oculus is pretty amazing. Yeah. The sightlines are supposed to be good and those $2 hot dogs, right? I mean everything about it seems to be, you know, very fan-friendly and game-oriented. And as a result, you tend to get people who are talking more about the stadium. And I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an accident that people are so enthusiastic about the other team that's playing there, right? Like the United. So they're about to play mm-hmm. for a, in what another week they're going to be playing for a championship, the Atlanta soccer team, football right. team, right? So, and people are saying, geez, like, you know, this is an opportunity for us to get into the stadium because it's a great place to go watch a game. Well, it, it's part of the whole product, right? Right. Part of the sports product is where is where you play. Yeah. You know, it's a bit of a chicken and egg argument, right? I mean, so you go see the Cubs at Wrigley Field, and, you know, I think people always think Wrigley Field when they're seeing the Cubs. question becomes then for, for other teams, why is it just where they play? It's right. Not like the, it's not like the stadium is sort of part of the product. Um, does Mercedes-Benz Stadium have the potential to be that? I, I think it seems like it might, that it's distinctive enough. It's uh, it's really a striking thing visually, right? It is very striking visually. It's a terrific-looking stadium. I think it's, I think it's very fan-friendly, yeah. and they certainly have put it out there to be a fan-friendly. I mean, I mentioned the, the concessions prices, but that's just part of the fan-friendly environment. And I think that if the Super Bowl is a Super Bowl that's talked about because it has a great a great set of teams that are playing, mm-hmm. you've got some great athletics that are going on, that it also could be a terrific, you know, so to say, springboard for the stadium itself to say, remember, we hosted this Super Bowl. Yeah. Most people don't remember. I, mean, I remember where a couple Super Bowls were held, but that's because, you know, they have a particular, right. I have a particular vibe on those, right? So Super Bowl Twenty was held in New Orleans. I know that. That's our Bears. No, you, you have, right? to, you have to get you, everything right. But if you get everything right... Then that residual good feeling or that goodwill, where does that end up being associated with? And yeah. it might actually be the building, as strange as that sounds. It might be the building, but I mean, if Atlanta can capitalize on that and say, "Remember, remember, this took place in Atlanta. Remember, this is one of this is one of mm-hmm. our 
our places that you could you could go and watch a game. This is this is associated with us. Well, that'd look, be good, that'd be good for them. I mean, if you want to say, you know, how does um, Atlanta as a city? What is Atlanta as a city known for? Well, I'll ask you, Tom. What's Atlanta as a city known for? Coca-Cola, I'll give you one. Coca-Cola, well, Home Depot and Delta and Chick-fil-A. Okay. Right? You can tell we work at a business school. <laughs> right. But I mean, yeah, even before, I mean, even before it was, it's, well, it's known for the Olympics, right? Okay. And so. How about this? Atlanta is the capital of college football. Yeah. Now it's becoming known for that, right? With the College Football Hall of Fame, which was sort of part of that Georgia World Congress Center. The heart of SEC with the College Football Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. I think so. I think they're trying. Can Atlanta become the heart of football? Boy, that would be nice if it was. I think it can. I think it I think it's it's definitely edging towards being the heart of college football. Oh, I think it's got college football. Yeah, but I mean, I, mean, I don't know what number two would be. Yeah, I don't know no. either. But I think it's I think Atlanta is really putting a putting a flag in the ground that says this is where college football is played. Yeah, a- absolutely. This is where the you know having the college football championship down here last year. Right. You know, the College Football Hall of Fame, the SEC. The SEC it's it's just, um, oh, yeah. That's no, huge. That's an interesting thing. I think when you get into, like, the economic impact, it's like, well, what is the economic impact of being the center of the college football universe? I don't, I don't know. So, this is, so this, is, um, this is just a side note, but just a very small side note, is that Atlanta, has, Atlanta wants to be a lot of things, right? And Atlanta is becoming a couple things. So Atlanta is becoming Hollywood East, south? right, or Hollywood South, I right? I mean, it's the it's the Hollywood of the East. No, I mean, this is where you know more movies are filmed here than they're filmed just about anywhere else. What are they number two or three, probably? Oh my God, it's kind of. I, th- I mean, isn't it number one? I mean, it has to well, be. Well, it can't be number one. Uh, it's pretty darn close, right? It's well, gotta I mean, be. we got to have L.A. as number one, don't we, Tom? I don't know. Really? I, okay. you, I think that LA, L.A. is pushing back because so many movies are filmed here, okay. right? So you've got – so Atlanta is the head of this. Atlanta with Turner is now the, the sort of the, the anchor for all types of production that's being taken place, right? So people – I mean, when people talk about Hollywood, they're talking about also about Atlanta. A lot of movies are being mm-hmm. filmed here this the football aspect right what people shy away from but if you if you're familiar with the pulse is that i'm getting this is, scared now oh uh, no okay. you, you should, but you should be but you should so this is hip-hop central okay right it is and so if you're if you are familiar with that part of the industry you'll know that this is everybody who's in hip-hop knows that atlanta is hip-hop central and so well, it's, putting it out there, I mean, it sounds like Atlanta might have a little bit of a claim to being an East Coast entertainment hub or a Southern. Enter- I suppose maybe we'd have three entertainment hubs in the U.S., California, New York and in Georgia. Yeah. So but I think that I don't know if Atlanta has embraced as much of the, let's say, the hip hop that they want, right? Or maybe they've embraced just as about as much as they want, right? And that's that's where you have to identify if they want to be known for something, you put your stake in the ground because you're good at it, you put your stake in the ground, and your flag in the ground because you have a lot of activity. So a lot of movies going on, boom, here's our flag, right? We've got the college football, here's our flag. The hip hop, mm-hmm. eh, do we really want to put our flag there because it has some kind of like 
negative ramifications or maybe it puts a cast some kind of a, well, a shadow on the city i don't think it does i think it's something else that atlantic can say this is what we're awesome at i would say you know and and you know look it comes back to the the super bowl as well it's like all these things give atlanta an opportunity to position itself as an exciting city right I, I mean, think people so. Love, people love entertainment. They do love entertainment. I mean, it's, it's a glamorous industry. People want to be around it for some reason. You know, there's there's about a dozen cities that sort of become Super Bowl cities again and again and again and again, right? And we I just talked about New Orleans yeah. because it's got such a great. It casts a wide net. A lot I of feel like when we were like kids, to... it was always going to be in L.A., mm-hmm. Miami, That's or right. San Diego. That's right. That's right. right. Great places to play football, right? Not so much Indianapolis. But, mm-hmm. you know, people want to play it outdoors. They want to have a good venue. People want to be able to go to the game and not, you know, freeze their tails off and what have you. Though, interestingly, but, most of those um, warm weather cities are, have been notoriously bad as football cities. Um, they've been, well, they've been bad as football cities in terms of they don't have a, a, what, a team that, that... Right, that they, they don't, you know, that, that almost like this warm weather curse, right? If the weather's too nice and... A lot of other things to do. Look, South Florida, uh, Southern California, these have been, in a lot of ways, places where, you know, pro sports have often kind of, football has struggled. That's right. I think with the combination of the new stadium, of um, events that people can, can embrace, the fact that a lot of people know that Atlanta is known for college football, I think that if they do it right, and I'm, I have a lot of... I have a very strong belief that they're doing it right and that they're going to do do it right, that the Super Bowl will come off and it will make the city look really great. When, when people have asked me about sort of the the marketing impact on the city of Atlanta of the Super Bowl, you know, I think the right way to look at it is it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a guarantee. It's an opportunity. So if you do everything right, maybe you put these, these, these entertainment pieces together and you leverage them, you do the right kind of halftime show, you kind of package everything for the week, that you have an opportunity to, to get an impact where I think that thing might be missing or sort of the where the the journalist might be looking for more than I can that I'm willing to go out there is the idea that like something fundamental is going to happen hmm. you know this is an opportunity for exposure to present something it's it's kind of like the idea that Coca-Cola is running a couple of advertisements the world doesn't change after those advertisements it's just sort of the cost of doing business and an right. opportunity to keep growing and improving the brand that's right. Okay, Tom, let me give you the last word on this. So especially as we um, near the Super Bowl, you up for having the media contact you to talk about Super Bowl economics? Always. Are you going to Are you going to go to the game? Have you bought your tickets yet? <laughs> no. When do the tickets go on sale? I haven't I haven't seen. I, I have to have to admit. But I've not been to a Super Bowl. Have you been to a Super Bowl? Last thing I want to do is go down to an event like that. Yeah, but what if you get a car service and you just can get in the car in your driveway? They take you right to the game, you know. And so I don't want to have this conversation because it's going to revolve around how <laughs> I especially don't want to go unless they are really good tickets and it's very convenient. And in some ways, I spend a lot of time thinking about sports, but not a lot of time enjoying them in a lot in live venues. So here's what here's what I'll say: is that I really enjoy live sport. I enjoy it because of the theater. Because yeah. of the unknown, because there's so it's and I like being able to say I was there. Oh. It's, it, there's a lot of fun for me to be sort of in the moment and wrapped up and feel that emotion. There's something very, very special about that. No, if you enjoy and the it, atmosphere, then it's something special. Yeah. And look, I mean, I, I think, you know, from the, the Atlanta United, I mean, changing the topic to a different kind of football, 
you know, that's been the thing that's really been magical about that franchise is instant tradition and crowd enthusiasm, right? No bill. Absolutely crazy, right? Yeah. Just amazing. So people can talk to me. People can reach out. I'm hoping to go to the game. I can't guarantee it because I will got to check the, the tickets. And it's, it would be just for pure utilitarian purposes of saying I went to the game when it was in town. I think you and can so, expense this. I'm, I'm buying that argument. I'm gonna, that's right. I'm, that's right. I'll send the, uh, I'll send the uh, receipts to uh, somebody in uh, Emery's uh, corporate office. We'll see what happens. I, I will say this. The one thing I am doing, and, and you should stop by for some of this, when I teach the sports class in the, um, in the spring semester, I'm actually going to devote the vast majority of January to uh, the Super Bowl. That sounds great. Bring and me in for a guest lecture. I'd include, love to talk. Well, you can always stop by. I'm going to have uh, Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports who oh, covers terrific. the Super Bowl come in. Got some sports agents coming in. So we're going to put together a nice package for it. That sounds terrific. Your students are really going to enjoy that. Okay. Thanks again, Tom. And hey, for welcome, all of you Mike. listening, thank you very much. Bye now.